Welcome to Pursuing Biblical Masculinity, a podcast where we explore God's Word to uncover the disciplines we need to live out our faith. Our heart is to help men not just know Scripture, but to be able to put it into practice so that they can stand firm in the faith. So whether you're a longtime believer looking to grow deeper in your relationship with God, or new to the faith and want to build a foundation on biblical truths, you're in the right place. So today we're continuing our march through the Sermon on the Mount. And last week we set up Christ and the law. And over these next seven sections, Jesus is looking at the law that God had given to the Jews, to the Israelites, but then he's looking at it through the lens of its original intention, not what it had become. It become the set of religious rules and regulations rather than ways to really look at our hearts and how we as humanity are, are depraved and unable to fulfill the law that God has given us because of our sin and our sin nature. You see, when Jesus died for us, we often acknowledge that he died for our sins because our sin is great. But one thing that is extremely powerful to realize is that in order for his sacrifice to be perfect and perfectly atoning, Christ also had to live righteously for us. And when we live in Christ, so we die to ourselves and live in Christ, we can begin to see the true meaning of God's law and how it applies to our life even today. So today we're looking at anger and anger in the sense of what was the heart behind the sixth commandment and how does it apply to us as Christians today? So we're looking at Matthew chapter five, verses 21 through 26, and this is what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So let's break this down a little bit further so we can begin to apply it to our lives. Jesus begins by looking at what the Pharisees and the other religious leaders were teaching. As you notice in verse 21, he starts with, you have heard that it was said. So he's not saying this is what God said. He's saying this is what you have heard. This is what you have been told. And while what they were teaching was rooted in truth, right? Exodus 20:13, Deuteronomy 5:17 both say, "You shall not murder." The law was being abused by religious rules. And this same phrase, "You have heard it said," will repeat itself over the next few sections as Jesus really compares and contrasts the teaching of men with the teachings of God. Then in verse 22, Jesus says, "But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So here again, Jesus is saying, this is what they have said, but this is what I'm telling you it actually means. He's expanding it, not just to people who murder, but he's expanding it to people even who murder in their words and in their mind. 
that those people are just as guilty as those who have broken the actual civil law of murder. You see, the, the law, the law of God was designed to show men their true nature. It's a, it's a mirror that reflects how inadequate we are. It shows us our depravity. And while the religious elite looked for ways to box in the law and kind of put parameters around it, Jesus was opening their eyes to the true intentions. This was not just a civil or a criminal statute from God. This goes to the very heart of man itself. Anger, malice, and hate for our brothers brings the same judgment upon us as one who murders. Anger towards our brother shows the heart of man, just the, the sin that we have in us. In 1 John 3.15, he, he says it this way, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. As Christians, we cannot have hate dwelling in our hearts. It's a very serious sin. Anger can be an extremely serious sin. And the consequences are not just earthly, but eternal, unless we repent and turn to Christ. So now we know the seriousness of anger. What do we do about it? Right? How do we respond? Well, Jesus says in verse 23, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. So you're in worship, you're coming before the throne of God, you're coming to give God an offering, but then the Holy Spirit convicts you of this sin. What do you do? You see, forgiveness is one part of the equation, but repentance is another part of the equation. We don't just ask for forgiveness and then keep doing it over and over again without regard for what we had done and without really acknowledging the depths of our depravity. We have to also repent and turn from our sin and do what is actually in our power to make the wrong we had done right. You know, we have great examples of this all throughout the gospel. I think one that's really beautiful is the picture of Zacchaeus. When recognized with his sin, after he seeks forgiveness of his sin, then he goes a step further and does what's in his ability to right the wrongs that he has committed. And we are called to do the same thing. In verse 24, Jesus says that we're to leave our gift at the altar and go. That we need to first be reconciled with our brothers and then we can come and give our gift. He's calling us to take initiative. We need to man up and go to the person that we're angry with or have had this conflict with or maybe that we're just mad at for a lot of other reasons um, and go to them first before coming and offering our gift to the God. It's easier for us to say, well, God's forgiven me and then do nothing about it. Don't even worry about making amends, but that's not biblical repentance. The amends part is extremely important. It teaches us humility. We, left to ourselves and our own best decisions, make terrible decisions, sin, sinful decisions. And Christ is calling us to repentance. Christ is calling us to making amends, which is part of biblical repentance. And we need to do this um, because we need to reflect the heart of God. That's what we are called to as Christians, to be like Christ, to be in Christ, to imitate Christ. He goes on in verse 25 and 26 to kind of talk about, you know, what happens if you let these things linger? You know, our accuser brings us to court and hands us over to the judge and puts us in prison. And we won't get out until we paid the last penny. And we allow anger to harbor inside of us. It is like being in prison. It is like being uh, chained down to a weight. And, and I know this very, very well because I've carried a lot of anger at times in my life 
where it didn't really impact or hurt the person I was angry with. The only person it was really hurting and eating at was me. I was in a prison of my own anger. And this is why as Christians, if we believe what Jesus says and we believe that Jesus is who he is and did what he did, we are called to work things out like this, to have reconciliation. And it's up to us to initiate that reconciliation. Too often we mirror the world and we seek to have either these these things under the rug or we feel righteous in our anger. And there are times when we have righteous anger where we have been wronged against, but it doesn't allow us to harbor hate. It doesn't give us the right to hate anyone, to call anyone a fool, to have malice towards anyone. And I get convicted in this all the time, studying this again. God was bringing things to my attention. And even right now as I'm speaking this, that there are areas in my life that I need to go seek repentance from because of the malice and the anger in my heart. Notice that Jesus doesn't bring up what they did. He doesn't say, if they have also made things right, or if they've been a nice person. No, that other party could have also offended you. That other party could have given you good reasons to be angry at them and to harbor that anger. But when it turns into malice, when it turns into this type of anger that eats at us, it's destructive. And instead of being like the world, Jesus says, don't worry about what they did, worry about what's in your heart and what I am calling you to do because this anger is killing your soul. We have to be conscious about how our sins impact us. So in light of this revelation, what can we do? Well, the first thing, I want you to just take a moment and think about somebody in your life right now that maybe you are angry with or have malice towards. And then begin to pray about how you can take initiative in asking for forgiveness in that area of your life. For some of you, these people may not be around. They may not be people that you can go to and ask forgiveness from. But you can still do this with the Lord and work through this process with Him. In others, they may be people that you need to physically sit down and say, Hey, I've been angry at you. I've been hurt. I've been mad at you. I have malice towards you. Will you forgive me? And begin to reconcile those relationships. In some cases, you'll be able to. In some cases, you won't. But do it with the heart of reconciliation, whether you're doing it with the Lord or you're doing it with somebody else. And don't take the easy way out just because you don't want to meet with him. Sometimes you have to. And I've had to do both. I've had to, I've had to uh, let go of anger towards people that are no longer here. And I've had to sit down with people. And sometimes it's gone really well and there's been reconciliation. And other times it's gone really terrible. But at the end of the day, I felt better knowing that I did what the Lord had told me and instructed me to do. And I no longer carry uh, that, that weight and that burden from that relationship. And lastly, I want to flip the script on it. So you may have anger that you're dealing with, but there also may be other people who are angry at you. So looking at that from the reverse angle, just kind of uh, pray to the Lord like uh, to allow you to, to have those opportunities to be open, to allow others to speak amends to you and to not take offense to that and walk with them through this journey because we are in it together. And when we fight each other, <laughs> we're, we're fighting a losing battle. The Lord has called us together to work these things out together, to have these conversations together. So I just want to encourage you to do that both in your life, but also allow others to do that with you as well. If you're looking for ways to grow deeper in your faith, looking for ways just to, to build upon the principles that we talk about here, we do offer coaching. And if you're interested in learning more about Christian mentorship, Christian coaching, Christian discipleship, check us out at reformedandredeemed.org.